Take your Bible, if you would, tonight. Join me in the book of 1 Kings, in the Bible, 1 Kings, chapter number 19. Going to spend about three or four weeks in that chapter and uh, just talking about the fact of being overwhelmed. I don't know if you know what that means or not. I don't know if you've experienced any of that or not. But if you haven't, just stick around. It's on its way. Amen. And uh, I, I've chosen one of the great, great prophets of the Old Testament. And we're going to just do a little background on Elijah, if you would, please. First of all, I'd like to read you a couple of verses out of James chapter number 5 concerning Elijah. And, uh, and we will follow Elijah through the uh, experience of being overwhelmed or depression or burnout or quit out or just flat laid down and done uh, to how he gets back up again. Did you know that before psychology was ever invented, there was a way out of depression? Did you know that people got depressed before there were psychologists and psychiatrists? How in the world did they ever make it before they had couches to lay down on? and support groups. How did we ever make it without some kind of a unanimous? Have you ever thought of that? That people had emotional, spiritual problems before psychology. I don't know, I guess they all just went and shot themselves or got better. <laughs> I sure like messing with folks' minds. Notice, if you would please, Elias, chapter 5, James, verse 17, Elias, or Elijah, was a man subject to like passions as we are. Nothing special, just had emotions and physical body, anxieties, just like we do. And he prayed and earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. He prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth fruit. Now, I've never been able to do that. I've wished it would rain a lot of times. I've wished it would quit a lot of times. I've even prayed, Lord, would you stop this? And he just kept raining. But not Elijah. He lied earnestly and definitely. 
as a judgment on a godless, corrupt society. And he prayed earnestly, and it did not rain for three years and six months. And then he prayed that it would rain, and it rained, and it rained, and it rained, and it rained. Now go back with me to 1 Kings chapter number 19. And I'll give you just a little introduction. Psychiatrist writes and says depression is the most common emotional problem in America. The Minneth Meyer Clinics, in one week time, will counsel 50,000 folk. 75% of those has clinical depression or another anxiety or being overwhelmed with what's come their way in life. 50,000 folks in one week. If you have never been depressed, you're probably not breathing. Folks get depressed but will not admit they're depressed until they've depressed everybody around them. And then it's everybody else's fault because they're depressed. Folks become overwhelmed at the pressures of life. Let me show you the political situation at the time of Elijah. Chapter 16 of 1 Kings, and I'll read for you just two verses. I want you to see what's going on in Israel. Verse 30, chapter 16 of 1 Kings. And Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord above all that were before him. It came to pass as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, that he took a wife, Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbel, king of the Zidonians, and went and served Baal and worshipped him. And he reared up an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, which he had built in Samaria. And Ahab made a grove, and Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel that were before him. Political, moral, religious, spiritual corruption had run like a river through the nation of Israel. And this king and his wife actually... She was king. He just sat on the throne. She wore the pants, the bloomers, and everything else in the house. She was boss. She marched him around the house. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Don't want to hurt your feelings, ma'am. I'll kill Elijah for you, ma'am. Just whatever you want done, ma'am. Bad day. 
in America when our men ceases being men. And it's a bad day in Washington. Let's go on. Please, I do not want to lose my insurance. Corruption. God's prophet shows up. Chapter 17 and verse 1. Now Elijah couldn't get any independent Baptist church in town because his resume wasn't long enough. Here's Elijah's resume. And Elijah the Tishbite. That's it. How would you like that resume? What in the world's a Tishbite? A resume is your experience. A resume is where you're from. A resume is what's your education and what you've done and the experience that you have and so forth and so on. And if something should happen uh, to me and Andrew, that you'd have more resumes around here than you could, you could put on the walls around this church. Everybody who's done anything in the world and ain't never done anything and wanted to lie about it would send you their resume. Of course, if you've got one like this, Elijah the Tishbite, that's it. <laughs> You'd really be impressed, wouldn't you? So Elijah the Tishbite, wherever that is, he's from Tish, who was the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, now notice, as the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years but according to my word. Man, that's powerful, isn't it? <laughs> I'm going to dry it up, Elijah. I mean, Ahab. You're looking at the cat that's going to dry up every source of water in all of Israel because of your corruption. Well, three years and six months pass. And there are a lot of things happened to Elijah. First of all, he spends a little time by the brook Cherith. And you folk remember that? And buzzards brought his lunch and brought his supper. I don't know if they delivered it in Walmart bags, but they fed him meat and bread. Twice a day. Some of us would have never made it. <laughs> a lot of us got to have a 15-minute break just to get a snack to get us to lunch. And as he was sitting by the brook, it came to pass that the brook dried up. And it does that whenever it don't rain. You know that. And so the Lord sent him down to Zarephath. You remember that? And I can imagine Elijah must have thought, man, the Lord is sending me down to Zarephath. There's a rich widow down there. Her husband just died. And I just know she's got an apartment for me. I am going to be living on top, top floor. He got down there and the woman was so broke she couldn't afford to pay attention. Just gathering sticks. And she's going to cook one last meal and her and her son's going to die. And Elijah, the selfish booger, said, make me a little cake first. Do you remember that? 
Take care of the preacher, and the God of the preacher will take care of you. Well, he's an arrogant sucker. He's already said he's going to cause it to dry up. Now he's telling the woman, I know you only got just enough for one meal. Give it to me. And Elijah ate the meal. And God just kept providing and kept providing, and the meal did not waste and so forth and so on. While he was there, the lady's son died. And Elijah laid prostrate on the boy and prayed, and the boy's life came back into him. What a man of God. What a man of God. Would trust God to go to the brook. When it dried up, did not doubt, and went to Zarephath. And there he's down there doing what he's supposed to do. The son dies. He raises him from the dead. Three years and six months, it's not rained. Chapter 18 and verse 1, he gets his marching orders now. And he said, And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go show thyself to Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. And Elijah went to show himself unto Ahab, and there was a sore famine in the land. I got news for you. Verse 36, the good guys win. Showdown, good guys win. Verse 36, and it came to pass at the evening of the offering and the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, that I am thy servant, and that I have done all of these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me that this people may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou hast turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell, consumed the burnt offering, the wood, the stones, and so forth and so on. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their face and they said, The Lord, he is God, and the Lord, he is God. And Elijah said unto them, Take the prophets of Baal, 400 of them. 450 prophets of the grove. Let not one of them escape. And they took them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kisson and slew them there. Seems kind of crude, don't it? Slew 850 false prophets. Verse 42, and Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel and cast himself down upon the earth and put his face between his knees and said to his servant, Go up now, look toward the sea. He went up and looked and said, There is nothing. He said, Go again seven times. came to pass at the seventh time. He said, Behold, there rises a little cloud out of the sea like a man's hand. That's not a very big cloud. And he said, Go up, say unto Ahab, Prepare thy chariot, get thee down. You better have a four-wheel drive chariot, the rain stop thee not. It came to pass, and meanwhile, that the heaven was black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain. And Ahab rode 
and went to Jezreel, 16 miles from Mount Carmel. And the hand of the Lord was on Elijah, and he girded up his loins and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. Can you imagine a prophet of God outrunning a horse and a chariot for 16 miles? Well... The story takes a slight turn for the worse. Notice verse 1. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. Had killed all the prophets. Prayed and had reigned. And with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. And Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah saying, so let the gods do to me and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, 120 miles south out of Israel into Judah, and left his servant there, but he himself went another day's journey into the wilderness. And came and sat down under a juniper tree, and he requested for himself that he might die. And said, It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father. Would you say that Elijah might be just a dab overwhelmed? Probably other than Moses, the most powerful man in the Old Testament. He walked closer to God, performed miracles out of sight actually knelt and prayed and shut up the heavens for three years and six months, raised the dead, and run from Jezebel. She must have been one kind of woman. You can tell how smart Ahab is. He married her. Have you ever heard anybody name their children? little girl, Jezebel. I never heard of anybody naming their little girl Jezebel. Maybe it's because the identification with this Jezebel. You know, you think about it just a little bit. According to James chapter 5, he's a man of like passions like us. But in this scripture, he's had enough. He's thrown in the towel. He surrendered. Sometimes as God's people, we become frustrated by our own faulty perceptions of what's going on. And are very fearful because of a dreadful danger. 
He encouraged others, but he was unable to encourage himself. He helped others, but he couldn't help himself. He preached to others, but his preaching didn't work on him. Sometimes do we kind of feel like that? I mean, Elijah has experienced enough. He can't take any more. He's reached his breaking point. He's done. Maybe we ought not be too hard on him, huh? Maybe we ought not sit on our judgment seats and begin to throw rocks at uh, old Elijah because, you know, come to think of it, maybe we've faced some problems we can't solve. I don't doubt if some of us don't have stresses we can't stand or maybe we've had appetites that we can't control. Anybody could like beer, I have no idea. That is the most awful tasting stuff in the world, they say. But some folk like it. It's getting quiet. We've all had tests we cannot tolerate, desires we cannot contain, hurts we cannot heal, fears we cannot fight. Evils we cannot eradicate, burdens we cannot bear. All of us tonight have faced dilemmas we cannot denounce, sicknesses we cannot succor, and devils we cannot defeat. I don't care who it is tonight. You may be on easy street tonight and in the depths of despondency in the morning. All it takes is one word from somebody, a phone call, a letter in the mail, a kid. A report card, a phone call at night saying, Daddy, please bring cash. Storms we can't settle, rivers we can't cross, debts we can't pay, obstacles we cannot overcome, pains we cannot appease, gates we cannot open, and mountains we cannot climb. All of us tonight have just a little bit of Elijah in us. You know why? Because we're all human. The Bible said, let him think that he stand, take heed, lest he do what? Lest he fall. Some of the great men of history have been given to being overwhelmed to the extent of Elijah. Most all of us have heard the doctor say, I'm sorry, but he's taken a turn for the worse. I heard that about my mom. I heard that about my dad. But I want you to know something tonight. This could also be true with our spiritual health. Not just our physical health, but many of us tonight could hear that, and at times the condition of our faith seems to deteriorate. We look at what we owe, we look at what we make, we're overwhelmed. We look at our age, and the doctor says thus or thus, and we're overwhelmed. 
Our mate looks at us and says, is that your nose? You're eating a banana? And we're overwhelmed. Guilty dog always barks. Tell me tonight, have you ever been just flat overwhelmed? Elijah's life has taken a dramatic turn for the worse. He's an example to us tonight. And God put it in there for us tonight. If he, such a powerful man of God, can become so overwhelmed and so depressed, so despondent, so full of self-pity, so weak, so lonely, so immobilized, set back, burn out, in despair, if he can, you think we can? You say, preacher, you're overwhelming me. So I was feeling good before I came to church tonight. And I'm about to have a depression fit right here. Cloud up, about to crawl over myself. Listen to me tonight. You need to realize some of the most sensitive people in the world and in history has been successful to depression. People you would not even imagine. Some of the greatest preachers of all time fought the battle with depression and been overwhelmed with situations. I don't know if you know any of these names, but Beethoven, Tolstoy wrote War and Peace. I read that one time in about three minutes, War and Peace and wrote a book report on it. Abraham Hamilton, Winston Churchill waged all of his life, Winston Churchill waged all of his life the battle with depression. He called it my black dog. He wrestled with it continually all of his life. Even the greatest Protestant reformer Martin Luther got depressed once he said for more than a week I was close to the gates of death and hell I trembled in all my members Christ was wholly lost to me I was shaken by desperation and blasphemy of God depression is real becoming overwhelmed is real getting out of the reality and stepping into the, the unknown, the fearful. A sign in a service station once said, they said to me, cheer up, things could get worse. So I cheered up and they did. Notice Elijah now. Notice Elijah. I want you to note something about Elijah. The reality of being overwhelmed. The reality of being burnt out. A lot of folk get burnt out on their marriage. 
A lot of folk get burnt out on their job. A lot of folk get burnt out on everything. Well, I'd rather burn out as to rust out, wouldn't you? I know a lot of folk rusting out. Notice, if you would please, the reality of being overwhelmed, it was a sure reality. In your notes there, a sure reality. This was not a joke. It was not a sleight of hand. It was not a sleight of thought. Elijah said, Dear God, kill me. It's a sure reality. Nothing Mickey Mouse about that. He was not threatening suicide. Bless God, he wanted to die. You say, Preacher, that would never happen to me. You call down far from heaven, have you? You, 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 you dried up heaven and it didn't rain. You, you prayed and it rained. You've raised the sick, have you? Oh, you're better than this guy. We might ought to face the reality of the fact that we're just human beings, just like Elijah. And one day, one night, one hour, one moment, one conversation, one person can put us in the valley of despondency. You say, not me. Oh, I know that. Touch me after the service. I need something you got. A few years ago, I was running late for an airplane, going someplace to preach a stewardship meeting, and come through here early Saturday morning, going to my office to get something that I had to have. And I walked in the office, and it looked like a tornado had hit our office. All the, all the files were on the floor. All my books was on the floor. Things were turned over. We walked into uh, the secretary's office, the financial secretary's office, and everything in the file cabinet was on the floor. The safe that we had was turned upside down, and he had knocked a hole in the bottom and gone through and stole several of my credit cards and several of the things that was in them. And uh, here I'm standing in our office, I've got to catch a plane. I've got to be in the airport in just a little while, and everything is a mess. I want to know. I want you to know, I was overwhelmed. I did not know where to cuss or spit, so I didn't do either one of them. But I'd sure like to have somebody who tore that safe up around the neck, and I would have blessed them and blessed them and blessed them. When I got through, they would need prayer. I'll guarantee that. Uh, have you ever been just suddenly overwhelmed? A loved one. I can't stand your guts. I never have loved you. I'm out of here. One conversation, one day, one moment, one person, and we, like Elijah, hit the bottom. It's sure. It was a sure reality. It was a sudden reality. Notice? A sudden reality. 
That old saying, what a difference a day can make, huh? Satan drops some powerful bombs on God's people. We wake up and suddenly everything is changed. Could I have an amen? I don't mean to depress you. I'm just talking about Elijah a little bit here tonight. Maybe you'll get uh, the idea that you're not a superhuman. None of us are. Notice it was a sudden reality. It was a subduing reality. He runs. He hides. He gives up. I wonder if it could happen to us as suddenly, as subduing, as sure. Could it happen to us? Say, not me, I'm in church. All you have to do is watch the news and you'll see it can happen to you. All it takes is an idiot that got wrapped up on video games and gets so numb to death and he buys a sawed-off shotgun, walks into our neighbor yard and begins shooting. Just the grace of God, we wasn't in that neighbor yard. We were in Texas. You say, well, what's going to keep it from happening at, Baptist, at the Baptist church? Well, if it happens, they'll shoot you because they can't find me. If you ever see me hit that baptistry, and not singing splish splash, I was taking a bath. You might ought to grab the floor and get under the pew. Amen? And then I'll come out of that Rambo. <laughs> you better be down. <laughs> I live by faith and Smith and Wesson. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm not healed. Honest, see? I'm the only guy here it's not, but I'm not. <laughs> are you listening? I said, are you listening? The reality of being overwhelmed, folk, you can it can happen any time. And we gotta we gotta we gotta know in whom we have believed. And when these things come our way, if we're not careful, we'll act just like Elijah did. Notice, if you would please, the reality of being overwhelmed, the reality of being depressed, the reality of being immobilized, the reality of being lonely, the reality of uh, being full of self-pity. Do you know what depression is? It's an internal temper tantrum. That's all it is. Depression is an internal temper tantrum. It's doing to you what you'd like to do to somebody else, but you're too good a Christian. You'd like to shoot them, but you're just too good a Christian, so you'll just repress all that hostility, and you will kill yourself. Depression is an internal temper tantrum. 
Now let me show you why I said that. The reasons for Elijah being overwhelmed. Why did Elijah want to die? Why did such a powerful man of God want God to take his life? I tell you why, because he's too big a chicken to do it himself. So am I. If they ever find me someplace and say it was suicide, get CSI on the case immediately. That will not be the truth. I am too big a chicken, and I like living too much. The reasons for his overwhelming, notice, number one, his famine, three and a half years, dry. Three and a half years. Sunshine. Not one single cloud. Not one cool breeze. Eventually, not one green blade of grass. You say, how do you know that? Because chapter number 18, Ahab sends Obadiah to see if they can find any grass that the horses and mules would not die. Would you get depressed, kind of, if every day was 110 degrees? No breeze? No cloud? One year? Turn on the news. We've got to watch weatherman. year and six months. Watch you watching the weather, man. That sucker's been lying all the time anyhow. Two years. Dry. Three years. Dry. Everybody's mad at him because he's the one that did it. What if you were in a three and a half year drought and you found out that Brother Jim caused it? He'd be the most popular man on the planet. We'd all get our Smith and Wessons and go hunting, right? Three and a half years of famine. Notice his fight. Chapter 18, one prophet, 850 false prophets. I, I think the odds are kind of stacked. Would you say that? Amen. And Elijah lays out the plan. You take your sacrifice. You cut up your sacrifice. How long would it take you to kill, skin, field dress, and kosher? a 2,000-pound ox by yourself. And how much blood could you get on you doing that? 
you've got to confront all of Israel, all the political hierarchy, and all the religious hierarchy all by yourself. That is one kind of business meeting you don't want to go to. One man in a fight for God by himself and all the rest on the other side. And he calls them, How long hold ye between two opinions? If God be God, serve him. And if God be God, if Baal be God, then serve him. Mark a line. Step over the line, all of you on my side. He's the only one left. Them kind of fights you don't like to be in. That might get us a dab overwhelmed. I mean, when the wife and kids are against us, that blows our wagon wheels. Notice his fame could not be touched, could not be excelled could not be extinguished or could not be explained. Riding high. Notice, if you would please, his fear. All of us got something we fear. Probably if you were to find the bravest man in all the Bible, it would be Elijah. If you were to take a prophet out of the Old Testament who did feats beyond imagine and had faith and not fear, it would be this prophet. But there's something got next to him. It was a woman. Fear of a woman. Oh, I don't know if you know it or not, but when you have failed on your strongest point, that's when you're overwhelmed. Can you get this again? Don't miss this. It's easy to fail in your weak point. And all of us have them, and we know what they are. Amen? But when you fail with your strong point, you've got nothing left but depression and overwhelm. Notice, if you would please, not only his fear, notice his frustration. Fire falls from heaven. The fire licks up the sacrifice, the water, the dust, and no revival. Ha! People said, one verse, it lasted, the revival lasted one verse. After the fire fell, they said, wow, let God be God. Went right back doing what they were going to do. You know the most frustrating thing to a preacher is to pray and to study, and to preach, and nothing happened. I mean, folk just sit there, and you want to knock on their forehead and say, is there anybody home? 
I think our folks can sleep better with their eyes open than they can with their eyes closed. His fear, his frustration, his fatigue. Imagine, if you would please, outrunning a horse and chariot for 16 miles. Jezebel sends out a contract on him. And look on your map in the Bible, in the back of your Bible. From Jezreel to Bathsheba, it's about... 120 miles. And he arrives in Bathsheba and tells his servant who goes with him everywhere, his associate, his helper, his right hand, his reminder. He leaves him and goes another day into the wilderness. He's fought. He's prayed. Single-handedly, he has built an altar to put the sacrifice on. Single-handedly, he has slain the sacrifice. He has prepared the sacrifice. He's laid it on the altar. He's prayed, and God has answered by fire. He's tired. With the schedules that we have, no wonder we're all about to cloud up and go all directions in one time. Amen. Some of you guys and some of you gals already know what you're going to do every day next week at what time. You're scheduled. It's down in ink. Nothing can interfere with that. But something will happen. We'll try to interfere with it. You will just absolutely want to blow your stack. That is a Baptist overwhelming when you blow your stack. (laughs) Are you with me now? The last thing under that is his forgetfulness. Sitting in a cave underneath the juniper tree, lonely, tired, he forgot something. He forgot how big God really was. I'd hate to know I serve a God that's not bigger than one woman named Jezebel. I mean, it's just a common thing in the Baptist church. You got a man mad at you? His wife is the one that's mad. He's trying to vote you out? No. She's trying to get him to vote you out. You say, preacher, you don't know what you're talking about. I know. It's my first trip around barn. President of the college that I quituated from said, you show me a man, a woman that wants to do something, and I'll show you a man in 30 days that'll be doing it. Did you get that? Show me a woman that wants to do something, 
And I'll show you a man in 30 days who will be doing it. You guys can look up. Go ahead and smile, gals. You know it's a stinking group. He's going to eat McDonald's just a little while, but he's going to get tired of them dry cheeseburgers after a while, son. I tried to meet two of them yesterday. I've been overwhelmed ever since. Are you listening? Now, let me, let me close it right quick. Right quick. The revelations. What did you learn from being overwhelmed? What do you learn in the trying times of your life? Have you learned to say yet, Lord, teach me what you're trying to teach me so we can hurry up and get out of this? I'm willing to listen. I'm just ready. Just teach me. Somebody walks up and looks at you and says, man, you're ugly. I say, Lord, teach me that all men are liars. Let me give you this. Being overwhelmed is not a dead-end street. It's just a side street. It's not a dead-end deal. It's just, it just a side street. And you know what Elijah learned about himself? Number one, he learned that he was weak. His weakness was revealed. Do you know where you're weak? If you don't know where you're weak, just watch where the devil starts hitting. He revealed to Elijah just where his weakness was. Notice he ran away. Notice his withdrawal was revealed. He was alone, but being alone is not always good. Lastly, let me close. His wish was revealed. I want to die. His wish was revealed. And now notice how, and I'm, I'm done. Notice how God answered his prayer. Go back to sleep, Elijah. You need some rest. And God just let him alone, let him go to sleep. That body that you're walking around in is the most difficult thing in the world to kill in this world. It will fight tooth and toenail. God put it together in such a way that it will fight, it will not lay down and die until it is God's time to die. Aren't you glad of that? Next time you hit a stump, ask God what he's trying to show you. Don't give up. Don't give in. Don't throw in the towel. Hey, Lord, what are you trying to show me?